You know, Justin, I, I know we've we've joked about it, I'm sure, on our show before. I think being a voice actor would be quite a lot of fun. And I've been consuming quite a lot of like Japanese games of the anime slash anime adjacent variety. Um, and so when no one's around in my house, you know, I like got to look both ways or make sure no one's in the room. No one's upstairs. No one's downstairs. I sometimes give it a go of like, ah, God, ah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm just trying to say like, I think I would have a lot of fun doing the like anime sounds. Like I don't even necessarily have to like do the words or, or, um, you know, like have a really speaking role. Cause I know that sometimes for those more vocally intense sounds, they get people who sort of sound like the people um, who are actually in the speaking role. So they don't have to necessarily maybe hurt their own voice or something, but those like exertion noises, I think would be quite a lot of fun to make. Um, Cause it's just like, imagine what is the direction for that? You know, you know, you direct uh, plays at the, at the school. Like what is the direction? So it's like, okay, um, I want you to be, you're, you're slashing your sword and you're feeling really vengeful, but it's sort of bittersweet because you're killing the killer of your brother. You know what I mean? How do you portray that in like a, yeah, like I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I, I, I just imagine the pages and pages and pages and pages of like parentheses, like sounds like it's not yeah. like words. It's just like guttural things that they tell you what to do. Like this is a happy screen. This is a semi happy screen, a scared scream mm-hmm. or whatever scream. I think if you want to practice your voice acting skills in video games, I have a suggestion for you. It's one my girlfriend and I did. So we were playing the game Knights and Bikes. Are you familiar Mm. with that? Uh, I'm familiar with it in the sense that you've talked about it before. Cool. I think it's like Game Pass, BTW. So. You know what's funny? I have not opened Game Pass since. No! Not for for want. It'll be apparent why in in a little bit here. But uh, go on. So the uh, the game is like a uh, fun little cartoon thing, but uh, mm-hmm. it had a bunch of dialogue and a couple of sound effects. But basically, my girlfriend and I voice acted everything. Oh, so, that's so fun. We, we each had our own main character that we voiced, and then we switched off on all the other supporting characters. So we just go through it the whole time. It made the game go a lot slower than, than I think it was meant to go. But boy, did we have a fun time doing it. So go back to those old, uh, you know, JRPGs that don't have any like actual dialogue and just start Mm -hmm. adding that dialogue yourself recording it practicing do it then upload it and maybe maybe just maybe that'll be your next adventure it'll be like um so when i when i first played persona 5 uh i would do that because like half of it's voiced half of it's not uh and so i would do a lot of like for real you know like (laughs) he took his heart whatever uh (laughs) yeah so so maybe, maybe that's in the future who knows? Hey, how does it, that even how does how does that happen? Do you have to audition or do people whatever? Not <laughs> Hey, I mean, you start go on Fiverr. That's how you start. That's how you start yeah, any yeah. business. Just go on Fiverr, say I got some voices that I can do, give a couple of samples on there, see if anyone bites. And if they don't, just get better at your samples. Hey, I'm very good at playing like the younger brother or like a young, plucky, kind of like innocent character because because my voice is you know it's got a little little higher in the timbre i'm a little nasally Uh, i've also started to realize that like my accent is like my accent has gotten to the point where like it has gotten in the way of me trying to spell words because when i write things obviously like i don't i'm not sounding out every single word but i write sort of by the sound so like to purchase something in the past I know that that's B-O-U-G-H-T, right? 
But when I read it, it doesn't read correctly because I say that word as bot. I bought that B-A-U-G-H-T. No, no, I mean, out, like, you got that Chicago going on. Yes, yes. So um, what I'm trying to say is, like, I would play a really good Midwestern innocent child. <laughs> you got that. You that That is Nani? your... That is your <laughs> That is your specific category. Um, so you yeah, know that yeah. you know that road uh, that may or may not be close to where we live. B o u g h t o n road. B o u g h t o n. Oh yes. So f- for that road, how do you say that name? I would say that Bowton. So uh, that's how I used to say it my whole life, my whole Midwestern life. But then um, I heard the voice command audio on my gps say botan road uh and i was like oh am i saying it wrong so now i say botan road botan 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 oh yeah botan botan see botan yeah i I was at first i made a face when you said you had an accent i'm like what accent do you have uh and then i realized (laughs) we have the midwestern accent the bears i I remember like also when i was in australia like they say like m-u-m for like their Mom. mother, yeah. So they, they already pronounce it differently because like literally they changed the vowel, so it's not even M O M. But like going from M U M to the way I said M A H M, mom, mom, like, mom, mom. <laughs> yeah, it's mom, yeah, must, mom, 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 Mom-sy. mom, mom, it's hitbox. <laughs> Hitbox episode number 36, where we are going to be talking about video games. To start, I want to know, Justin, uh, my name is Peter Hansberg, and my host is Justin Smagovich. Uh, to start, Justin, I want to know what video games you're playing. <laughs> Sounds like you were summoning a demon. No, I, was reading, I was reading the, um, what is that called? The tiny text, the fine print of, ah. our, of our podcast, where I int- make sure that I introduce. It's in the contract that I signed. I have to introduce us every episode. And then you'll look back and see all the episodes where I forget to do it. But I didn't forget today. I got it in there before we talked about the games we're playing. So, Justin, go. I was I'm just thinking, did I sign this contract? I don't remember being contractually. Yeah, it was like a th- it was a thing. You had to, like, cut your hand open. We, you know, oh, I, we grabbed each other's hands. And- I actually do have a cut on my palm and it's very inconvenient. It's like right on one of my lines. It's probably changed my, my future if you're reading my palm. But like, yeah, yeah got a cut on it. So. Maybe that's what that's, it's from. It's pretty yeah, recent, that, though. I'm pretty sure we've been doing this for almost a year. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird to think that, like, you know, 52, that's, like, less than 15 away. Yeah. Uh, 52 minus 15. 20. When did 30, we start this? August. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, it was either August or July because of The Last of Us. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, this a game so good we had to start a podcast. <laughs> I mean, hey, uh, that that's a that's a put it on the box. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you playing any games this week though that are so good that you want to start a secondary podcast on? Marvel's The Avengers. Actually, don't want to start Wrong a answer. podcast on that, but I've been playing it. 
Um, I've been I've been getting a little bit deeper into it, um, trying to understand about how to like level up quickly and more effectively on it. Uh, so I've been my my focus has been on Thor, and finally I've raised Thor to be stronger uh, than Miss Marvel, who is like the character that I started doing way back in the day, and uh, the leveling up. Even it's funny when they have this new update, they nerfed how how quickly you can level up. It's still yeah. faster than it was when you first started playing the game, so okay. that's good. So you're you're leveling up pretty quickly. Um, so I started doing villain sectors, and I did a very thing a thing that I'm not comfortable with as a gamer. Oh, I uh, put on the matchmaking for the oh, villain online. sectors. Yeah. Yeah, so basically a villain sector is like a daily in which you have to do a couple of like little missions and then you go underground and then you fight one of the two <laughs> bosses in the game. I guess there's three and a half now. Um, one of them is a big robot. The other one is uh, the future uh, Hulk. What's his name? Maestro? Maestro? I don't know that. Um, I don't know much about the Hulk. One of them's Modok, isn't it? No, no, that's the boss from the game, but he's not in the villain sector. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's Taskmaster and then Abomination are the two that are pretty frequent with that. Uh, so I've, I've been doing those, and that's actually kind of a good way to do it because those are pretty hard because they're automatically like four power level higher than you. So having actual like humans help you is better. Yeah. Um, but the weird thing about it is it like adjusts the level in a very non-consistent way so mm. uh i played it the first time and i was with two people who were like power, uh, level 50 which is as high as you can go power level 135 i think the power level max is 150 so they were significantly stronger than me and they're trying to level up but all of the enemies were level uh were at my power level and i was like maybe they just adjust based on your power level so it's like fair for everyone which seems to make sense so you could play with anyone it doesn't matter everyone's having a good experience they're doing damage based it's scaled to their own power level so then i played the second villain sector of the day and i was at level like 51 and all the enemies were at power level 72. So I'm literally Ooh. like hitting them, doing zero Ooh. damage. As yeah. I'm just like, well, this is like literally not fun at all. And then the, the two people on my on my crew who were power level 135 were just like cleaning wrecking right. shop. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm getting the powered armor here, but I'm really not doing anything. Not, I'm, re yeah. I'm really just hurting my team. Um, so I've been probably playing that for about a half hour a day. Uh, mm -hmm all week trying to just get myself like leveled up and stuff. And I have to say like the actual like combat is really fun. It's hmm. just like the individual stuff I get to do is not fun, yeah. which is so disappointing. And even like thinking of destiny, like grinding and destiny doing strikes over and over and over again, those can be annoying, but at least like it's something to do. That's more substantial than just uh, a villain sector, which is just, a bunch of checklists and a boss at the end. Right. Uh, and it, it's like the same checklist for everything you do. You're doing one of four tasks and that's all you can do in that game. And they're so short and so quick that you don't really get invested in them. And it's just, it's there. The game is mm -hmm. there. It's good. I just, I just wish I could do more single player stuff that had more of a guided story that I could yeah. kind of play through. Um, but it's still like, I'm telling you, I know you're hesitant, but for 20 bucks, the stuff is more than worth it. So I, I finished persona five strikers this week. Um, and I think everything I've said about it on the show still stands. So I don't think I really need to go over anything other than I misspoke last week. 
I said that it's kind of a, a smaller story that, it, you know, it's a little bit more bite sized. Um, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, at the end, I, not not to spoil what happens at the end of Persona 5 or Persona 5 Royal, but it goes, I mean, it ramps up from being like, we're going to really show it to this horrible, abusive teacher at our school to being like, is there a God? This might not be a spoiler. Do you fight a godlike figure? Spoilers for Persona 5. Uh, skip ahead a minute and a half. <laughs> well, I think we know the answer to that. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Um, and and here's the problem with Persona 5 Strikers. Spoiler for Persona 5 Strikers. Skip ahead a minute and a half. Um, it's, it's the same thing. Like, literally, you're fighting another god. Like, lowercase g god, but still. Um, and not that that's not cool, but like... It's, it just feels like the same exact ending to the point where the characters are even like, isn't this like last year? Like, like they're all commenting on like, oh, this is just like that other thing that happened to us. That was well, like, at least they get huge. it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I would have, I would have liked it to be, uh, just a different sort of, uh, environment. You know what I mean? Like a different sort of climax. Cause it feels like they just were like, well, what do we, it's a JRPG. What do we do at the end? Oh, have them fight God. So this okay. is this is a this is a question that is a problem when you come up with a sequel, right? Like yeah. you finish playing a game like God of War and you are freaking overpowered, crazy leveled, like ridiculous, and then the mm-hmm. sequel comes out. How do they dumb down your power? So is there like some kind of like plot thing that makes you go from being at the end of Persona 5 Royal to when you get to strikers, you're like leveling up again? Or do they just like assume like whatever you're level it's one? Just, it's just like whatever uh, for the most part. I mean like not to spoil it, but I mean Persona 5 ends like there's a definitive like end where they sort of say like and we're done. Like they sort of like, you know, tie a bow up on the being the Phantom Thieves and then Persona 5 Strikers. They're like, uh, why are we in our outfits again? Like are we in the metaverse again? Um, so I guess that kind of might. But um, yeah, I mean like there's no like real reason for being like weaker than before well the reason they're in their outfits is because cosplay have you heard of it they look so good every single outfit in that game is like dang this is very cool um but yeah so i finished that and i was like should i should i try and get that platinum and then i looked at the platinum requirements and i was like i don't think i'm gonna get that platinum actually persona 5 strikers uh i don't think i'm gonna do that yeah um so it was it was like a very nice uh, it was nice to not be stressed about like, do I have to go back or whatever? I will say this, though. So last week I said I thought I had like an hour and a half left. Uh, no, I had another five hours. Um, I've literally I have a save from like the last time. It's like, hey, you, you're going to want to save right now <laughs> before uh, you sort of get locked up here. And it's literally five hours until the completed save. So uh, but it, it was it was good. And so, as I said last week, when I finished it. Immediately, I downloaded Nier Automata. Nice. So, a little bit of background on Nier Automata and me. I've played it once before. I played... In Nier Automata, there are multiple storylines, multiple endings, and when you restart... Like, once you beat the game and you restart it, things are different. So, since Wednesday... (laughs) Oh, no. I've beaten Nier Automata twice. Okay, all right. I have. I, have, I sat down on Wednesday. I'm like, because uh, I got my I got my first COVID shot, so I took the day off from work, and I was like, I'm gonna sit here. I'm just gonna play this video game. And I was like, 
It's the Damn, only way to handle the game. game is just to get a COVID shot first. <laughs> Damn, this is a very, very good game. Um, and now that I have finished, I finished the second run through of it last night. And it was like, there is a twist in that second run through that makes it go from being like, yeah, this is kind of cool. And like, I, I want to see where this is going to being like, uh, what are, uh, what is this about? Like, what is this going to be about? So I'm really, really, really excited to see. It looks like there's two more endings that like they want you to get. Yeah, th- th- like, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you, yeah. but at the the one recommendation I have to make to people, and I, and I that I hate to be this guy, the first two playthroughs are very like standard point A to point B kind of thing, like in terms mm-hmm. of how you get through them, and the second playthrough is literally kind of a rehashing of everything from the first one. Yeah. And because of that, like, it seems like, is this just going to be what every replay is going to be? But when you get to the third, uh, <laughs> by the time you get to the third one, <laughs> right. it's so different. And the, and it legitimately is more of a story once, once you do that of like changing things. And there's, there's more, it makes the first two playthroughs have more context to them. And it's like, you're playing through it again, but it's late later in the timeline, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like, with the first time going through, um, you know, I'm, uh, I, again, I had played it before. So like, I was familiar with like what happens and like the general story. There were some things that like, I totally forgot about, but, um, you know, like pretty simple to grasp aliens versus humans versus robots versus other robots, you know? Um, but then, you know, playing it on that second playthrough after I beat that first one earlier this week, it was kind of like, Oh, that's interesting. I see where this is sort of going. And then towards the end. So to be clear, you play as an Android in the first playthrough called 2B and she's got a sidekick nine named nine S and they get separated in like the last act of the game. And so in the second playthrough you play as nine S and so everything's from his perspective. And so in that last third, you see what he was up to. And that is some crazy ass shit that I am extremely excited to see what happens with. Um, there were some revelations, some reveals. I have, I have a quick question. In. Did you just the, finish the second playthrough and stop? Yeah, like it was one thirty last night. Oh, oh <laughs> I man. Was like, I don't know how you did that, because just wait. Just reboot that game up, and it is, like, gripping with what's about to happen. Yeah, I was because th- I was worried that it was going to start me just again, but now it brought me back to the, like, menu screen and... Uh, that's a great game. It's funny. I'm not trying to like mainline it. Like I definitely did with the nine S thing. Cause I was just like, do the same side quest. I'm like, mm, I don't have to, um, but I'm not missing. Like I, I don't, I've not found many of those side quests to be particularly engaging or interesting. And a lot of them are leveled up. So once you get to the later parts of the game, that's when you really should play them. Cause a lot of them oh, are like, too high leveled up, but there is fortunately a um, chapter select that opens up, I think in chapter three or four. Got it, got it, got it. So you, cool. you'll be able to go back and like replay stuff from the first one and or the second mm-hmm. one or the third one. So kind of like a time traveling thing. Sure. Good game. It's it, like it's such an interesting narrative. And like it's not like one of my favorite games of all time. But like I have never played a game that told a story like this before. And I and you know me loving story and loving weird kind yeah. of stories that only video games can give you. And this is that it, it's mm-hmm. a it's a type of story that no other genre or format of 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 storytelling or or media could media, give you yeah. yeah yeah it's great yeah that makes sense i'm i'm 
really, really liking it. Are you are you doing any, anything else now that you're on spring break? So uh, I, I didn't directly play it, uh, but my girlfriend started playing The Sims 4 on Game Pass. I, I got I to gotta, I gotta say, playing a Sims game on a console is not the optimal place no having a mouse is is nice isn't it yeah well having the mouse but also it's the text size thing because that game is clearly Mm, made for pc so like when you're like reading an item description i don't care what size your tv is like you got to be like standing like right in front of it in order to even get that so um but but she was like you know fighting with the controls for the first like hour and then turns out the next day she'd played it for like five more hours because she just (laughs) got used to it at a certain point um which is fun uh i you know the sims is like usually fun until you get to use cheat codes and it's fun for another couple hours and then you're done with it usually yeah so we went through that full range of emotions with it but um you know it's it's a it's a fun fun game to to jump into and again game pass it was on there free great play it do it yeah um but also i it's spring break so i personally purchased and bought assassin's creed valhalla Skull. And I got to be honest. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to platinum it. Really? Yeah. So. Why? Looking at the platinum list, uh, one of my favorite parts about the platinum is the getting every checkbox off on the map. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if I need to do that for this. I don't think you have to get every checkbox off, uh, checkbox off, get every trophy, do everything like that. But also, and I'm pretty early in the game. I really hate the the restricted area settlement camps that you have to do now. And tell me if this changes, because I really hope it does. But usually when I was playing like Odyssey or um, Origins or those, you go to like a restricted area and they have like a checklist of like five things. You got to get these trophies, get this loot, kill this captain. And then you do those things. And they're really fun to do. Those are always like kind of my favorite parts to just clear out these camps. For so far, what I played through in this game they don't have camps quite like that. Um, you go to this place and there's usually like treasure or something there. They're restricted so people will attack you on site. But you yeah. don't have this like checklist of things to like just get off of in each of these camps. It's very like you just got to get the treasure and that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's more what it is. And I was reading a bunch of stuff about like the difference between this game and the other ones. And they say that the the action combat's a lot better, but the stealth mm-hmm. is not its focal point. And I'm like, oh, no. that, that's really hurting me. Like, not that ever Assassin's Creed stealth is, like, the thing, but, like... Right. It used just, to be, but... Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, long ago, it was. No, I'm glad, though, they got rid of those stupid, like, tailing missions, like, those instant fail things. Like, those are horrible. Oh, gosh. Um, yes. But um, it just... I don't know. I've been just trying to clear out the map in that first area. I'm probably, like, five hours in, so it says, but I think it tracks your time when you're on a pause menu, which is a sin for video game times, I yeah, think. Yeah, when you are... When you say you're in that first area... And I don't mean this to be a spoiler. Are you in Norway? Uh, uh, the only place I'm maybe uh, I'm in. I, I can't pronounce the the name of the place, but I just beat the guy who killed my dad. OK, yeah, gotcha. Um, and then I the, that King Norman or King whatever went to help me and I'm supposed to float to him. But I'm like, nope, I see synchronization points I have to do. But I don't even see like a trophy for getting all the synchronization points. I don't. And uh, there might not be one. And like. Dude, why? I know. Because it's also like it's like that's not even a big deal because you just go to a town like you go to pretty much every town in the map. Yeah. At some point. So just go do it. Yeah. Um, Those things are fun to me. But get 
uh, so you're you are going to be way under leveled for those areas, right? Where you are, because those level caps are like three hundred something, right? Well, yeah, yeah, I see that. I'm I'm still like in the first, the very first area you get to, um, mm. where level requirement is one. Then I see when you go to um the king's area, like it's like level requirement two eighty there. So I'm assuming I get yeah. kicked out. Um, keep playing it. Is oh, what I'll say. Just keep playing it. I have one trophy so far, which it hurts me for playing something for five hours. Um, and like. It, the trophy I got is complete the prologue. And like 97% of people who play the game got that. And the next one is yeah. to England. And that's leave Norway. And 80% of the people got that. So. Yeah. And that's sad can, though. Can you, like, can you imagine where you go? England. <laughs> yeah. it's, a weird, it's a weird spoiler to have in there. I mean, it's, it's in the first, you know, 10 hours, but. Um, it might have been one of those hidden trophies, but you know me when I'm when I'm deciding you to platinum to look, run. You love to I gotta know. Yeah. I gotta know. I gotta know. Uh, speaking of spoilers, I remember vividly how I spoiled the watching of Spider Man Three when that came out. Like I, okay. I, I did not get to see it on the first night, and I'm like, I gotta know. So then I like looked at the the spoilers for that, and guess what? The spoilers were better than the actual movie. Justin, I like being bad makes me feel good. <laughs> and what you'll notice there is I was doing my voice actor. That was an audition. I did more in that in those five lines than Topher Grace did in that whole movie. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll just pull that one out and, and then we'll cast you for the, uh, yeah, yeah. the, the, the Venom movie. Um, so remember uh, last week when I was fighting about what version I should buy of Assassin's yeah, of, Creed? Of Assassin's Creed, yes. What did you end up, what did you decide on? So I was hoping there would be a, a sale for it, like okay. online, like some kind of sale or something like that to make it like cheaper. Unfortunately, it was full 50% price. 50% off at GameStop. Yeah, but I have to buy the hard copy of it. That's <laughs> yeah, it's true. Know, take a minute, take a minute, think about what you just said. <laughs> okay, you're right, my bad. So uh, there was a version though that for $60.49, mm-hmm. so for an extra 50 cents, you got Immortals Phoenix Rising. Now, LOL. <laughs> I already have that game for the Switch. I've already stopped yeah. playing it because I'm I'm done with it. But I'm like, for 50 cents, why not? So I bought that version of it for the PS5. But mm. guess what? I not only got the PS5 version of both Immortal Phoenix Wright, they gave me the PS4 versions of both of those games as well. Dang. So for 60.49, I got four games that I can't really share the game code with because it's to my account. But four but- games... Yeah. So I could get those I could double platinum it. I could get a platinum for both the P- I could get four platinums for 60.49. Yes, you certainly could. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. I know I know I gave you a little bit of flack for it uh last weekend, but I'm happy for you yeah. that it worked out in such like a way that not only you would care about, but like I'm glad it worked out for you. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I, I totally. I it, it worked out for me, but I also there was a piece of news this week that made me a little bit scared. Yeah, go ahead. So this has not been confirmed yet by the PlayStation people, but mm-hmm. reports are saying Jim Sony that starting in July, I think the PSP, PS Vita, and PS3 stores are going away. In the arms of an angel. Yeah. Which scares me because right. what does that mean for digital purchases of everything that you did? Justin, Are they gone? 
can I get them again? Have I forever lost what I've purchased on the PlayStation Portable? Um, is that okay? Now, is that? I guess that's the question, isn't it? Are you going to lose all the things that you've already purchased? You would hope not, but if they're getting rid of the storefront and they're getting rid of like the on the the store stuff, like. Isn't the, aren't the games tied to that? And I know they haven't confirmed yeah. this, but the fact that I'm even saying this out loud to you and I don't know the answer to this, that is a scary thing for the future of video games. Yes, in terms of preservation for sure, especially when you look at like, I mean, for whatever reason, these companies have no interest in like preserving their old games. You know, sometimes there'll be a remaster. Sometimes there's a re-release, whatever, or like a 10 year anniversary of edition or whatever. But like the preservation of games is so weird because for whatever reason, these companies have no interest in like really porting things over. I can imagine, like, I don't know what goes into this. So like, I'm literally speaking as someone who has zero information. So keep that in mind. Um, that's not unusual for me. Or, but, or me either, uh, I think. <laughs> right, like, welcome to the show. Um, <laughs> but, like, just put, just, why, and again, I know this sounds so silly. Just take the PS3 store, PS Vita, PS4, or whatever, and just put it up in the new one. <laughs> like, just do it. I, like, I don't know, does that cost money? Or maybe it's licensing stuff with some of those older games is expiring. But, like, I, I would buy some ps3 games you know what i mean like i don't know i don't know if you're gonna be selling everything resistance to a bunch i mean insomniac keeps tweeting about it but like you know what i'm saying yeah yeah like you you might not be getting exactly the same dividends but were you getting a lot there more than if you shut it down more than if you got totally threw it away so yeah and and with that too i think part of the issue with with Sony and the sad side of things is that I don't think they future proofed their online store from the P from the PS3 and before. Um, and and if you just look at how complicated it was for them to get user or uh, uh, user PS profile name changes, what do they call those profile names to change your profile name yeah. in Sony and how complicated that process was for them to do it. And even now you can do it, but there's still asterisks towards it. Mm -hmm. saying like some of your PS3 stuff might not work and, and things like that. I don't think when they initially designed their store for the PS3, they're like, we're going to keep the store forever. Yep. Um, and, you know, part of that's because, you know, at the very beginning of this whole thing, I think they were reacting a lot to what uh, Microsoft was doing with theirs. And I think Microsoft, from the very beginning, is a bigger technology company that understands this stuff more so than Sony did. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Now they're at a, a place where maybe that's the only way they can they, they maybe they can't transfer those PS3 games to the PS current store um, mm -hmm. because they didn't have the coding for it. And it would be a, a bigger rewrite than just copy and pasting over. So I don't know. Yeah, but th not I, to, that's a problem, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100 percent. And I'm not trying to say like, well, you should have bought physical because obviously that is not how everyone can live. Um but that is a reason why I do like having physical copies of games because, you know, I have a I have a Xbox 360 in my house. That, like if I wanted to hook up and play, I actually don't think I have a controller. But um, if I wanted to hook up and play, like I don't have to necessarily worry about everything being totally wiped from that. But I understand the struggle and I think that it sucks for the people who do, you know, just use digital stuff. I mean, even look at like the digital PS5 in 
because how long has it been since that PS3 store launched? It's got to be 15 years. Two, well, when did the PS3 come less. out? I mean, 2008. Yeah, something like that. Like it had okay, to be so right 12. before that. It was probably at the tail end of the PS2, if that. But uh, even yeah. then. But what I'm trying to say is like, you are now selling an all digital version of your console in 10, 15 years. Is that just going to disappear and be just like literally a, a very unattractive giant brick in your house? Hey, like I'm man. sure you know. Hey, do, you, do you like it? My PS5 like is currently sleeping in my entertainment center, covered with a sign that says something like about I love you or something like that. It's like a cute sign, but it's covering oh, yeah. it up. <laughs> it, just, it wants to know. You need it to know. Um, uh, for the record, I don't think it's that ugly. I mean, if you've seen the Xbox 360, what was that shape? Um, like, mini, mini, like, mini, mini fridge? Yeah, it was like a like an hourglass when you're looking at it head on. <laughs> Anyway, uh, not important. But what I'm trying to say is like, it does not maybe instill a whole lot of confidence in me. Con- it continues to not instill a whole lot of confidence in the idea of digital purchases. And um, it makes me just appreciate physical media still. You so know? the reason, and as much as I like to say I'm a hoarder and everything like that, the reason I stopped buying physical uh, discs mm-hmm. as a first resort was because I bought a physical disc of a game. I wish I could remember which game it was, but I bought the physical version, and it downloaded like a 40-gigabyte patch Yeah, when I put the game in. And then you cannot run that game unless you download that patch and play it. Correct. So what's the point of necessarily having that (laughs) physical thing if I need to have this 40-gigabyte patch downloaded in order to play it? Like, it didn't make sense to me. And I'm like, it's so much more convenient just to get it off the store, have it preloaded, all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, you'd be buying a game at, you know, when it gets released, and then you have to wait for it to download, which, you know, first-world problem isn't that big of a wait. But will those games still work without the PS3 store? Will you be able to, like, say there's right. a PlayStation 3 game that has a day one patch, which probably wasn't as much of a thing back in the PS3 era, but, like, do you still have to... With, can you download that patch anymore without the the it being on the store? Is that still something yeah, that can happen? And, like, I think the reason that I'm scared about this is because I don't know. Maybe Sony has a plan that I'm not giving them credit for to combine all their stuff together. Yeah. I doubt it. <laughs> Yeah, <sighs> to combine all their like past stuff to yeah, now, yeah. I would say probably not. Yeah, right. Like I think, like, yeah, I, that, that's not that's not what they do. I mean, they got rid of backwards compatibility on their updated PS3s because they're like, no one's using these. We don't want to yeah, put gosh. the resources there. So like, the new versions of your PS3 can't play PS2 games like out of the disc drive. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's it is a thing that's always in the back of my mind about like the digital world and how things seem to be permanent digitally, but they're not like everything I have on my Google drive. That's technically in the Google cloud. So what happens if one day Google decides to just Just like, screw this, we're deleting everything. (laughs) Like all my stuff would be gone. Um, (laughs) so you can back it up on, um, uh, hard drives if you want, but even those things don't last forever and they're not perfect. So, Mm -hmm. It's just a, it's a, digital ownership is great and convenient, but it's also this scary stuff that I don't think we've, as a society, thought enough about in advance. Like what's going to happen fifty years from now with all this stuff? Right. Well, because what I think it is is we're starting to get to that point. Obviously, we're seeing it right now with PlayStation stuff, and and I'm sure we are seeing it in other places where like okay, these things have been around for a while to the point where like the original versions are like shutting down or like not able to be accessed anymore. What do you do about that? How do you 
take care of that. And a lot of, I mean, you just like hand in the ear, like shrug. I don't know. I think that's what these companies are doing. Are you like, right? I, fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's gone forever. Sorry. Uh, grab it while you can, I guess. But um, I, I think it's an interesting question. And I'm going to be curious to see what their response to this is because, to, I mean, just anecdotally, the response that I saw from people hearing about this being shut down was a lot of like, this sucks, man. Like, you know, I'm not playing whatever on the PS3 all the time, but like, it sucks to know that it might be gone forever for me just because of that reason. And I hadn't even considered this, uh, but I was listening to uh, one of the kind of funny podcasts and they were talking about how there's certain content that's locked to the store for certain games. Yeah. Like uh, for, um, is it the infamous? They have like the, the trial of blood. What is the name of that DLC? So there's infamous uh, bloodlines. Yeah. There's like a DLC that's only available yes. digitally to buy and you can't yeah. buy a disc of that. So Without the store, something like that is gone forever. Are we going to lose Infamous? I don't uh, want to lose Infamous. Well, the DLC. Well, right, but I mean, what exactly what you're saying about like, well, if you got to get that patch and whatever yeah. else. And- oh, by the way, have you played the the Infamous for the PS4? No. Second Son? Yeah, so you said yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's a, it's an it's an Infamous game, a little bit open world Justin, stuff. Justin. It's fine. That's not what Infamous 1 and 2 were. Infamous mm. 1 and 2 were not like, yeah, it's fine. Infamous one and two were like, oh my gosh! <laughs> like, these games are fucking awesome, and that's why, and that's why I never played. I mean, it's on the PS Plus collection. Yeah. Um. So I might, I might dip in at some point when I've run out of my backlog. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, well, those yeah. first two games uh, were week not. When I'm done with everything I've missed. Right. But those two games were not just like, yeah, they're fine. Those games were like, dope. Uh, um, it it is the one for PS4 is just like it's fine like <laughs> yeah that, that's what i heard about it when, it when it first came out i was like i can skip this one yeah um but yeah infamous one and two bring them back let's get blue point working on a on a remake let's do it what's it what's that guy's name cole what cole uh you could play with him both him the good version and the bad version in playstation all-stars battle royale is that, is what, that what they, what they is that what yeah is that why they bought evo online so <laughs> they can bring uh, PlayStation All-Stars back. That's the only yeah. thing they're going to cancel every other event. Only PlayStation All-Stars, guys. We'll make this relevant, we swear. That would be actually insane. <laughs> I would watch that. I'd be like, what are they going to do here? Well, you better buy the, the DLC soon because, as we just talked about, not going to yeah, be possible say, soon. Good luck, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. I'll say it's a bummer. But what can you do? Uh, continuing with current events, there's one more game I played. It's a brand new game that just came out this week. Uh, have you heard of the Suez Canal bulldozer game? I I know what the Suez Canal is, and I know what's going on with it. Is it what's the bulldozer game? Uh, so it's a game that let, let is meant to recreate the events of what's happening in the Suez Canal. For those of you who don't know, because yeah, you don't awesome. have a news, there's a cargo ship that basically is stuck in the Suez Canal in a way that no traffic can get in and out of it. It was like trying to turn around or something like that, and it's like blocking the entire canal, and it's, it's an stuck Egypt, isn't there. It? Yeah, yeah. And you can't 
unfortunately, the the traffic has been terrible. Uh, one of my friends uh, uh, is a traffic reporter for WGN, and he had like a uh, like a like a funny TikTok that he posted of uh, of the uh, traffic report for the Suez Canal <laughs> and how you have to like you know there's a you got all this traffic here and it's making rush hour terrible. You're gonna have to go around Africa in order to get around. It'll take ten days, but at least you miss all that traffic. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah. it's like a big current event that's happening and it's been memeified like crazy. Uh, so this person, his name is, what is your name? It's on his website. Eric C. Wilder made this game that basically you can try to get this uh, the, this boat out of the Suez Canal. Uh, have you by any chance played this game? You can no. in a few seconds here if you want. Just run it. It's a browser-based game. Uh, so you can play it even if you're you know on a, like a work computer. Like my, my, my school blocks games out. Okay, let's see. Controls, move up, action. J. Yep. Okay. It's pretty simple. Oh, you yeah, just control is... and you have an action button. And you're a little bulldozer. Oh. There's music. Yeah, it's pretty... It, it's dope music. It's a banger, I think. This is, like, actually... Yeah, it's so for those like of you who are like you don't have access to this game, and we'll put it we'll put it in the in the description of the podcast. Yeah. I think. Um and <laughs> uh basically uh your your little bulldozer, it's like done in a in a like an eight bit kind of video game format and your bulldozer and there's a, a rock that's keeping the boat there. And uh what happens when you press the rock? <laughs> It's, just, it's super stuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> That's so, really funny. Yeah, so if you want to, if you want to be a part of history, you can play this game too. Uh, you just That's have awesome. to head to uh, Eric Wilder's website, um, which is we'll put the yeah, we'll put the link yeah, in the yeah, episode we'll put the link in the episode description. But it's uh, kind of fun game. Just guess what? Uh, better than the medium. Yeah, uh, that made me laugh. That made me giggle. The medium made me sad. Um, and not maybe for the ways it wanted to. Speaking of, of being a little sad, this is we're going to get a little heavy here as we talk about war. Um, but let's just take this moment to, I would just love to remind you that, hey, thank you so much for listening. And if you're interested, it would be cool if you followed us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Twitter at HitboxPod or emailed us at Hitbox Official Podcast if you have any thoughts on the PS Network or um, what we're about to talk about here. Talking about Six Days in Fallujah, the upcoming uh, war shooter from Highwire Games and uh, sort of the politics surrounding it and the, the controversy of what the game is and the controversy surrounding how it's been talked about. Uh, so if you have any thoughts on that, we would love to hear them. So, Justin, Six Days in Fallujah. This past week, uh, IGN spotlighted seven minutes, or maybe it was like six and a half minutes, of gameplay uh, on their website showing off what this game is going to look like. Do you remember, because uh, I don't think we've talked about this in past episodes, when, when this was like all announced that it was coming back. Do you remember when Six Days in Fallujah was like around the first time? Absolutely not. I mean, I was, what, a senior in high school then, um, and I, I cannot, I cannot tell you about this game until i heard about the re-release you know what's weird i remember like i obviously was not plugged into these sorts of things at all but i remember it because of the controversy because i had a camp counselor who loved video games and he was talking about this upcoming six days in fallujah and then i remember not hearing anything about it ever again and then for whatever reason in um it was that february when they brought it back when they were like it's happening um i was like oh i thought i made that up <laughs> like <laughs> But um, for you, if you are unaware, 
Six Days in Fallujah is a modern military wartime shooter that wants to be a survival horror game, not in the traditional sense of there's a monster coming to kill you, you gotta hide or whatever, um, but more in a the horrors of war and surviving wars of the uh, the, the most specifically uh, the second battle of Fallujah uh, during the Iraq War, and it is it was sort of surrounded in controversy back in 2008 and nine and whenever through when it was canceled um, until today where now it's back and there's more controversy surrounding it for a lot of different reasons. Where do you want to start with this, Justin? Because there's lots, I think, to break down. So uh, I think the the best way to start is the controversy behind it, because this is, you know, on, on the surface, it's a military shooter. Right. Like you, you, you are a uh, soldier in the Iraq war and uh, you are basically the the mission, the the second battle of Fallujah uh, was a six day operation in which America basically took back the city of Fallujah, which was a big uh, stronghold uh, kind of military base for the opposition. And it, it's basically the story about how they took Fallujah back. Yes. So the, the controversy surrounding it is obviously that you are making a video game out of this like I mean, in 2009, it was five years out from this. So even now we're 15, but like you're making a video game out of this like pretty horrible situation and this like very unfunny, unfun thing about war. Not that I think and we'll sort of get into this a little bit more. Not that I think war is ever really fun. But I think if you like when it's fictional, it's a little bit different than when it's like, yo, this really happened. And they are it's like based off of these interviews with these people who were there um, and they are trying to create a realistic experience of what it was like to be there, um, which is sort of the gameplay that IGN was showing off here. Um, did I, you watch that trailer, right? Yeah. So uh, like the the game mechanic. And this is yeah. where it gets kind of like, you know, we're talking about game mechanics in real life. So one of the things that the the people who are making the game were talking about are how when you when you're a, a military person, uh, a soldier, and you are going through a town and trying to clear buildings, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's behind that door. You never know what you're going to face. So in order to try to replicate that feeling of going into a building with the unknown, you know, in video games, you, that might happen the first time you go through a, a room. But then the second yeah. time, it's like, oh, I know where everything is. Now I can get through it, whatever. And the more you play it, the more you're, like, familiar with it. But in order to replicate that every time you played, uh, it would be a new experience where you were unsure. They have procedurally generated houses that you never know what's in there. So you go right. into breach a house, and the first time you go in, you turn left, nothing. You turn right, a guy's there, kills you. You restart. The map resets. You walk in, mm-hmm. guide your right, and it, it it it's meant to make it feel more realistic in in a sense because it's new every time and you can never prepare for what you're about to see, which is more accurate to what it's like to be a soldier. That's that's the mechanic they they revealed or were talking about one of them in the yeah. uh, gameplay trailer, and, and also so it is uh, is a first person shooter, but it is a lot slower than your call of duties or halos or whatever, because they're going for a much more realistic take on this where, you know, I assume in war, you're not like sprinting around through buildings all the time. Like it's a lot more methodical of walking and, you know, you're running at times. Sure. But like, you know, you're just walking through 
clear, like looking in rooms, checking in corners, things like that. Um, and it seems like it's the kind of thing where you really don't want to get hit. You know what I mean? Like, like in Call of Duty, you get shot a bunch of times. You just crouch behind cover for 30 seconds and you're fine. Whereas this seems like there you are have to be a lot more careful, a lot more methodical, which is, spoiler alert, how it is in real life. Getting shot with a gun one time, you're not really fine after that. I don't. So I watched that six minute trailer and they cut it in with um, an interview between them. And I don't have his name, but he was uh, someone in the Marines who was there. And, and sort of him describing his own experience. And uh, this game makes me feel kind of gross, like kind of grimy, just because like, so first of all, obviously, like hearing about that real experience is very harrowing. Like I can't even like I cannot imagine what that's like. You know, I can't even imagine what that would feel like to be there and to know how that is for six whole days, you know? And and I think in this trailer, in the interview, he talks about, like, it was my son's birthday, and the whole day I just had to think about, I cannot die on my son's first birthday. And that's, like, incredibly fucked up and sad. But then also, like, you look at, like, that individual story is, is very... Uh, interesting is the wrong word, because, like, that's not fictional, that's real, you know? That's very harrowing maybe um but then you sort of look at the broader context to what this battle was about and the broader context of the iraq war and everything like that and i think it starts to that's where you sort of get into the second controversy of where it has sort of come back and the game makers have sort of said this is you know we're trying to be apolitical here which is like literally impossible, <laughs> like literally impossible with, with this sort of game. But, uh, in, in terms of the gameplay, Justin, like, do, did you have, do you have any thoughts on this? You, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to know what to even ask and where to start. Yeah, I think this. so from a video game perspective, like let's take out the fact that this is depicting real events and real, anything like that mm-hmm. from the very top of this, I could care less about this game. Okay. Um, if you're just thinking about this as being a military shooter, you know, procedurally generated, breaching, whatever mm-hmm. like that, I don't care. I really don't. Um, I think what makes this game a talking point, what makes this game not only the focus of this week's podcast, but like of a lot of articles and think pieces and things like that, is the fact that there is this context around this game, but this war and this battle. Yes. So... It, the reason we're talking about it is because of all the things that make this not so great, right? Yes. Like, that... Because, yeah, because the game itself is like, okay, well, it's a military shooter. Like, that's not that controversial. Right. But, like, literally, like, the way it has been reported and the way that, like, it has been, like, portrayed and what they're portraying and this specific thing, it's, like, it's all this just, like, pile of, like, oh, gosh, (laughs) on top of a... I'm sure fine military shooter, perhaps a unique military shooter, at least the way that it's that, that gameplay seemed interesting to me as a fan of, you know, first person shooters. But like, I don't know if I'm going to be buying this game because of everything surrounding it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I totally I totally understand. And I think I think the question becomes, should this game be made 
that is depicting this battle, one of the the largest battles. I think it's like the the biggest ca- American casualty count in the entire war, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, but is should this should this game be made to begin with about this battle in this war, the Iraq <sighs> war, which people don't like because it's controversial <laughs> go figure bad yeah um, <laughs> i mean okay i think you know there was this like petition going around to get like i don't remember who to ban this game in all of these different countries which i think is wrong like I, I just don't think we should be censoring art and i don't you know i think games are art and i don't think we should be censoring things in that way um i would like not that i make games but if i did i would not make this game like i i don't think that this is the way we should talk about this, you know, and who knows, maybe we're going to walk away from this game is going to come out. People are going to play it and it's going to create this conversation around, around this battle, this war, this period in, in U S and international history. Right. I don't think it's going to though, based on, on what developers have said. So should this game be made? I, I, I guess if, if people feel compelled to make it, like, I'm not trying to say don't make your art, don't speak your truth. I think that that's really important. And I think that those things are like not to be like, I don't know, like I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but like that's all we have. You know, we all we have is the way we express ourselves and and talk about these things and all of that. However, I don't think that it's going to be necessarily bringing up a lot of great points. This is an article called Six Days in Fallujah, quote, not trying to make a political commentary, end quote, creator says, by Charlie Hall from Polygon.com. This is... So, uh, the head of Victura, the publisher for Six Days in Fallujah, Peter uh, Tomte, said this to Polygon. For us as a team, it is really about helping players understand the complexity of urban combat. It's about the experiences of that individual that is now there because of political decisions. And... We do want to show how choices that were made by policymakers affect the choices that a Marine needs to make on the battlefield, just as that Marine cannot second guess the choices by the policymakers. We're not trying to make a political commentary on whether or not the war itself was a good or bad idea. I think that's what you have to say if you're in that position, but I think it's a bad thing you have to say. Do you know, does, does that make sense? Uh, what do you mean? The fact that that has to be said is the problem. I think that the answer that he gave is the answer that you have to make, uh, that you have to give, because you don't want to. You know, you're trying to sell and market your game. You don't want to alienate people who are going to buy your game because they, you know, are in support of that war. You know, uh, however, I just don't think it. I don't think you can make a game about a highly politicized war and not have it say anything. Would you agree? Um, everything says something. Uh, right. There's no such thing as unbiased. You cannot right. be unbiased. There, there, your life experiences, maybe not intentionally biased, but your life experiences, what you experience in life, is going to make things that you say, things that you produce, things that you do, it's from your perspective. And you can try to get as much other context in there as possible, interview people, get other people involved, it's still your interpretation of everything else. Yeah. I mean, I think from uh, history textbooks, history is but someone's interpretation 
of mm-hmm. events that happened. And you yep. can try to be as clear about saying these are the facts, this is exactly what happened, but how you tell them, how you view people, how you, you talk about people, it's going to have some kind of unintentional biases towards it because that's how you see it, that's your perspective, that's how you're telling it. Doesn't mean you're mm-hmm. wrong, doesn't mean you're intentionally trying to bring things down, but you cannot remove opinions and perspective from anything. Right. And when you're telling this story about a war that's controversial, um, that a battle that has controversies involved in it, and a subject matter that I think is also controversial because it's it, it's it's working on building these negative images of uh, uh, Middle Eastern uh, people in general. It, it's and that's not just a game for uh, the thing that Six Days in Fallujah does. That's the thing that a lot of these war, yeah, stories, games, books, TV shows, whatever do have a poor portrayal of Middle Eastern people, um, creating those stereotypes. Um, it's impossible to to take any kind of opinions and politics out of it. If this is something that is going to tell a story mm-hmm. and that story will have biases in it that will have yeah. a lens that it's told through. And I think a good example to to think about our documentaries are are not unbiased when you're when you're writing a documentary. Right. You have a goal that you're trying to tell with that. There's something mm-hmm. that you're trying to do with that. And what again? It's not always a bad thing, but there is a goal to a documentary. And a, a lot of the uh, the creative directors uh, were talking about how this is, you know, not quite just a documentary, but this is a, something that's not common in video games because yeah. it is uh, almost like a documentary video game in a way. And they 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 aren't including in this game like cutscenes with characters. Mm-hmm. All of the cutscenes of this, or where a cutscene would be, are going to be done through those interviews that we saw in that trailer. So whether it's yeah. the soldiers that are being interviewed, um, or uh, the actual uh, uh, citizens uh, it, who are living in Fallujah at the time, and what they are, are saying. So they're they're trying to make it not like we're we're going to animate these characters and have like real like dead people, like people who die in the battle. We're not going to have them as characters. Yeah. So, the, I mean, there's attempts to be made to make this something different, but it doesn't matter because you still have a purpose and there's still an agenda for a game like this. And are you representing what it's like for the soldiers of the on the American side? Are you trying to represent what it's like for uh, the Iraqi citizens at this point? Like, what, where you're, how you're going to tell that story? Um, there is going to be some kind of agenda to it, and it's not like a malicious one. And I'm going to sit here and and I'm going to hope that the reason that these developers are making this game has nothing to do with a political agenda that they want to make sure people know this stuff. I'm going to hope mm-hmm. that, that that was not their intention. Yeah. Um, but there is an agenda that's being told when you're doing this. There is right. some kind of bias that's being told when you're doing this. Because, it, I mean, like, literally exactly what you said, you know, everything has... A lens. Everything has a, an opinion created to it because ev- everything is made by someone who has an opinion. And when you look at something as political as the Iraq War, and then something as political as then the Second Battle of Fallujah, like no matter how you portray, even if you're trying to portray it all completely neutral, you're going to be saying something about it. 
whether it's what you include, decide to include, whether it's what you decide to exclude, whether it's what you say about whatever, I get that they're trying to not make it about that. But to me, and, and I don't, I'm curious what you think about this. To me, you cannot not make it about that because of what it is by nature. I mean, it, it depends. Would you agree? It, it depends because there's so much controversy in here. It depends yes. what the controversy is because, you know, should we should we have gone to war in Iraq? Like, I don't know if that's what this game is going to be focusing on, but those questions can right. be raised through it. Mm-hmm. Um, should we have been taking this town? Should we have been, you know, uh, going in and trying to uh, take uh, or occupy this town? I mean, mm-hmm. that's a question that it's going to be hard to not, think about with this game right right um was the battle of fallujah did we we as a military do it correctly and some of the context to this one of the the controversies for this battle was uh the use of white phosphorus which is a chemical weapon that is sort of banned internationally it's banned directly for use as a weapon but it's not banned to be used for things like lighting up the battlefield uh when it's dark um or providing smoke cover like those are legal ways for it to be used but in this battle, the actual use of that, and it was used, noted to be used, is murky. And um, a lot of military people said that, oh, no, we use this on, on civilians. We use this on, 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 you know, as a weapon, not just to use as a like, cover and stuff like that. A lot of people right. who are in, in the situation have said this stuff. And that's where this battle gets a little, like, uh, are they going to talk about white phosphorus in it? And if they don't talk about it, if they don't talk about using it, is that being like a documentary video game that's trying to like say a point? Because right, regardless yes. of what you want, your mentioning of that part of the battle is important. If you say it, mm-hmm. if you talk about it, how you talk about it's important. If you don't talk about it, why did you not talk about it? Yeah. So I don't that's know. That's what I, I mean. It's, yeah. it's I get the critique that specifically in 2009 that this was such a, a current thing that it's bad it's maybe complicated to talk about something that happened so recently um and we're we're what almost 16 15, years 15 16, 16 yeah. years later and is now the right time to do it i don't know um but we seem to not care about making video games about vietnam about right, right. world war 2 about world war 1 and uh there are things that in all of those wars that are controversial and problematic and people always talk about how well world war two, that's an okay war to, to talk about because you know, you have your good versus evil. You have the Nazis versus the uh, you know, the allied forces. Like this is a good versus evil story. We can talk about this, but there are blips. Yeah. There are moments. There are things that have happened in that war that are not okay. That were done by both sides that after the war, they had to be like, you know what? We're going to talk about war crimes now and let's clear <laughs> yes. this up, what an actual war crime is. Um, and, it, you know, is it okay to just talk about stories and battles that happened in World War One because most of the the people are, are older or are not around anymore? I, I don't know if that's okay. Like, when when is it okay to talk about war? And I do feel like video games at a certain point, war is used as entertainment. People like watching yeah. explosions. People like shooting guns. But all of this stuff is based off reality. Uh, mm-hmm. Call of Duty spends time making sure that their guns feel correctly and they make the right sounds. They do all that stuff. And they're, they're trying to make these guns realistic. But you can also put a zebra print on them and run around with like a hot pink zebra <laughs> printed yeah. gun. Like, 
uh, well, that, what guess, is that saying about war and stuff? I don't know. It just it, There's a lot of these questions in here that I understand why people are upset with Six Days of Fallujah, but there's so many other issues with how we portray military in video games and how we portray war in video games that it seems to me like an odd thing that this is the 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 game that people are taking a stand on when this is a bigger issue than the Six Days in Fallujah game. I guess the the thing that sticks out for me is like, okay, Call of Duty now, the way that Call of Duty markets itself and the way that Call of Duty exists when you play those games are not trying to be like, this is what war is actually like. Like they like because you can get your hot pink zebra print on your Uzi and you can get your fucking weed spray or whatever. You know what I mean? Like like hollow spray that you throw down when you get five kills or whatever the fuck. Like it is not trying to say like this is what it was like, whereas Six Days in Fallujah is. And to me. My, but the thing I'm not, I'm trying to, I hope I'm tr- coming across as, I'm not trying to say we shouldn't talk about this. I think we should talk about this, Spe- specifically the second Battle of Fallujah. I mean, it's something that I didn't really know a whole lot about. I mean, obviously I was very young when this happened, um, but like, I've never learned about this. Like, in, I didn't learn about this in school. I didn't learn about whatever, you know? Um, so I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it because I think talking about these things is so deeply important. However, you look at, is this the medium that we should be talking about this in? To me, a video game, what, like the point of a video game, I mean, I guess this is dicey and up to many interpretations, but to me, video games, like at the end of the day, generally are supposed to be fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and like, that's not necessarily always true. And, and I suppose that this is like literally the point I'm trying to make. Um, but like, I just don't think that a video game is the way that this should be experienced and talked about. I think you want to talk about this, do make that documentary, right? Talk about it. But I just don't know if video games are the way that realistic war should be talked about because at the end of the day, playing a video game and actually being in war are like, it's night and day different, right? It can't, it's like not even close. You know what I'm saying? I, I have to say I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that's reductive to the medium of video games. Oh, and sure, sure. I think sure. video games uh, uh, do have the ability to be mature enough to tackle this subject matter and put you mm-hmm. in this in this form uh, and, you know, give you a, a, an experience that most other media medias can't give you. Like I was talking about with <laughs> Nier Automata not com- connecting these two games. Right, but right. there is a way to tell a story in this that is different. And I think there's a way to show things like war in a different way than watching a documentary. Part of the mm-hmm. research I did leading up to this was I was watching a lot of documentary form content on the Battle of Fallujah. And... Um, I was watching these things that are produced by the History Channel, and I was a little like, they're talking about these soldiers and these people and like what they went through. And I can understand that from the soldier's perspective, like this is probably like a very like horrifying place to be in mentally. The stuff that they're told to do, they don't always have control over what they're told to do. They're soldiers in here. These are people, just yeah. like the people that they are shooting are people. They're people too. Uh, but when you're doing these documentaries, 
not a single one from like the History Channel was talking about the controversy with the Iraq Mm -hmm. War or the controversy with the white phosphorus stuff. And I had to go further to like find out and listen to this stuff. There is a documentary, I don't have the name written down, but this was written like the year after the, the battle, I think in 2005, 2006. It was a mm-hmm. French documentary talking about the use of the chemical warfare and the war crimes that were committed by the US in this war. It was a French documentary. Yeah. And when I was watching all these ones that have the focus on the American soldiers, it's like, yay, America, let's do this, America. Right. And, uh, you know, again, showing, you know, these soldiers and, and putting them in a, in a place where it's like you understand, like, what, what kind of, like, stress they're put under. But you're not getting the full story with those. And I think video games do have the ability to tell a story and put you in an experience so you can start to understand uh, from an empathetic mindset what it's like to be in here and how you get to a a position of you know you're put in these morally gray areas and you have to make a life or death choice at that moment Mm -hmm. that's something that a a documentary and watching it can't give you but when you're playing a game you can get there are they going to handle this in a way that's appropriate are they going to handle in the way that is not offensive or taking light of situations or gamifying it i i I haven't played the game nor do i plan on playing the game to Mm -hmm. to tell you that but I, I think video game documentary is a very interesting medium that sure. is really not explored yet. Um, uh, I mean, a game that I can think about if you're thinking about a, a, a biography or auto, or a, a documentary type of thing. Have you ever played or heard of the video game uh, That Dragon Cancer? Mm, no. It's like an indie game that is about a father whose son has cancer. Mm-hmm. And the game... It's about that experience and playing it. It's like what it was like to try to talk to your kid and deal with your kid who has cancer. Jeez, wow. Very, a very powerful game, very specific story that they're trying to tell. But that, I mean, what, what medium but video games would be a, a, a more interesting and interactive way to play that? and hear that story and experience that story to be put in that situation. And I think video games are maturing to a point where if they handle something like this correctly, if they do go in and they do tell a story about war and what it's like to be there from every side, the American side, the other side, from every, there's, there's ways to do this that could be really cool and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, are they going to be? Is it going to? Is this game going to be treated in a way that is appropriate? I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think. I think that's more of what I was trying to get at. So, like, I hope you understand. I'm not trying to say that video <laughs> right, games. No, can't. I know. I know. You like, have all uh, yes. people. Video games are a, a mature medium. I know that. Yes, I think that they're great, and I think that they're great at telling those stories in that way. But that's my worry: is that you look at the way that other military shooters handle this sort of stuff and how like the developers have talked about this game and my worry is that it will try to gamify and not try and stick to that you know like do you spec ops the line have you played that no but i I, you've talked to me about it it's it's one of those things that's circled on my playstation 3 download list before uh they get rid of the store but yeah yes very very similar you know what? I'll lend you my Xbox 360. I got a copy. Don't you worry, my friend. Oh, wait. I already have um, an Xbox One, so I can just pop that bad boy in it. Oh, that's right. We live in the future, but only sometimes. Oh, only uh, with Microsoft. <laughs> yes, yes. So, like, it is a 
It is a game that wants to talk about these things and it wants to talk about war and and like war crimes and white phosphorus these things that are such an issue here and, and that are are you know prevalent in this conversation as well and i think it does a really really great job and then on the main menu there's a multiplayer mode where you get rewarded for getting sick headshots and the developers were really angry that their publisher made them put that in there because they were like, this literally goes against everything that we're saying in the um, in, in the story of this game. Like literally 100 percent the message that we're trying to say, the things that we're trying to say here do not mesh with the idea of doing a multiplayer shooter. Uh, but it was put in there because the publisher made them do it um, and that is a sticking point for a lot of people when talking about that game. Um, that is my worry that you're going to have some sort of like really gamey, like this is a video game that's cool and fun when it can't be, when it shouldn't be. If you want to have that conversation, does that kind of make sense? Yeah. You know, I, I, the, I, I think, I, I guess my overall thing here with this game, mm -hmm. don't censor them from putting it out. No. Let them do it, and then let the free market decide if this game <laughs> was good or not. And I think sure. you know uh, from uh, the 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 publisher Highwire Games. Who's their publisher? Do you know the name of the publisher? So the the developer is Highwire Games, and then uh, Victura is the publisher. I don't know anything about them. Let me look it up real quick. Um, but wh while you're looking that up, I mean, they have to know this game is a risk. I mean, they picked this game up. Yeah. Uh, or a, a lot of the same people worked on it in 2009 when it got canceled by Konami. But Konami dropped it because they're like, the PR is not worth it. So when this game was picked up, they have all that 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 background to it. Like, hey, the, people are not going to like this, but we have to believe in this vision enough in order to do it. Mm -hmm. um, if they do the game and it turns out to be actually a really great way of talking about this battle and war. I I think that's amazing. If this game is released and it's just a, a glorified war shooter that's making things look cool, that's a problem and you shouldn't buy the game. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I still have a problem with any military shooter that's making war look cool because it's not cool. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, Yes, that's that's what I mean, too. It's like that's that's why I that's where my worries are. By the way, Victoria, this is their first game that they're publishing. Cool. Um, good luck. Um, but like that's that's the worry. It's not cool. And I and I worry that the, you get you are going to attract the Call of Duty crowd or the whatever other first person shooter crowd that plays these games because they're fun and they're cool and they're about they stopped being about, hey, maybe war is bad. And now they're about um, shooting a uh, an Uzi while you're riding a snowboard uh, ski. What's that called? Snowboard? No, what's the snow? Snow speeder? A, that's in Star Wars, my friend. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Snowmobile. Snowmobile. <laughs> there we go. That took way too long. But you, you know what I'm trying to say? We're like, that is so far removed from what war is. And this, I just worry they're going to try and make it. War is cool, guys. Which is not is so, uh i i have a i have a required listening for people who are um 
uh, t- interested in finding more about this subject. Yeah. So uh, IGN has a uh, a uh, podcast series called uh, IGN Unfiltered, uh, hosted mm-hmm. by Ryan McCaffrey, and he actually uh, interviewed. Um, both uh, Peter Tamente, I think that's how you say his name, and Jamie yeah. Grishmir, um, about this game. And this was like after the the gameplay footage this week has been released, and he talks to them about it. And uh, people at first were, were were saying very negative things to um, Ryan McCaffrey for holding this game, uh, holding this interview, and, and giving them like a spotlight. But I think it's really interesting for us to hear from the developers where they are coming from and what they were trying to do with this game. And the interview the whole time like I'm I'm listening to it like a like like is this oh they're actually doing the right thing versus they're not it's like the the, the needle keeps moving back and forth to like are they doing this right or not. Yeah. And a couple of things that really stood out to me was uh they were talking about how um they used to work at Bungie. I think one of them used to work at Bungie. I forget too, and I'm sorry for butchering this, but yeah, they yeah they because on their website I did some research. One of them was like, "Yeah, I'm the guy who's responsible for making the plasma rifle look so cool." Yeah, <laughs> but one of the things they did was they visited uh, military camps. Um, uh, I think probably in Iraq to uh, you know do some PR stuff, talk to the the soldiers about you know the games that they're playing, and they were saying how they were playing against like the developers from Halo and they were getting their, you know, asses handed to them. They were getting destroyed by the developers who were making Halo because their military experience wasn't translated over into the video game. Because obviously Mm -hmm. video games and war are not the same thing. I don't care what you try to do. (laughs) So that was one of the 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 things in the back of this developer's mind. He's like, we gotta make sure that we make this realistic so like these people will have like an understanding of you know of, of the tactics better than just like throwing a plasma rifle because that's our plasma grenade down because that's not realistic so that's where they're kind of coming from with what they wanted to do with this game and i think that like is interesting context and it seems like their heads are in the right place but Mm -hmm, there it is it's also the fact that that could be their intention but the second you put game mechanics on this stuff is the second it starts to become a gamified yeah game and um, they later talk in the interview about the political thing kind of going back and forth about like, is it political? Is it not? And the two, the two, the, the company and the designer kind of like are almost talking over each other a little bit to a certain point. And it's sure. like the messaging and the marketing isn't clear. And I think there is a way to market this in a way that is like, we're trying this, this is a documentary. We're trying to, you know, make it feel like what it's like to be a soldier in this thing. Like we're, we're trying to represent these stories and trying to tell them correctly. But I don't, I'm not getting that from them. Right. And that's, (laughs) that's, and, and Justin, like ultimately you're doing a much better job articulating this than I am. That's like, Okay, you you want to you you want to make a game message war is hell tr- you know us versus them bad obviously whatever. Okay, cool. How are you gonna do that? And like, well, we're gonna do like a first person shooter. Okay, well, what's it gonna be like based on et cetera? On uh, the second battle of Fallujah. Okay, um, so like, what's your messaging politically or like you know it's a very politicized <laughs> moment in history. So what sort of what's going on with that? Uh, we don't really know. Uh, uh. Okay, everything everything keeps sort of stacking up on top of each other for me to be like, I don't think I 
like this. So, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the cynical side of me is that this is creating buzz for the game. Mm-hmm. And more people are going to want to play this game now because people are talking about it more. Yeah. If they were talking about, like, there's this game coming out, Six Days in Fallujah, go play it. Realistic military game. I, I wouldn't play it. Right. Now I'm like, I'm interested to see what this turns into. Am I still going to play it? I, probably not. But, like, the the I'm more interested in it now. I'm thinking about it more now than it was before. So the cynical side of me says when they cancel this game that was canceled because of controversy in 2009 and they bring it back today in 2021 for it to be released this year, that that background is still there. People are going to talk about this and this is going to get headlines on our podcast, on IGN, on Mm -hmm. Polygon because of the context of the last game and the controversy of the last game, getting it more publicity because of the last game. Uh, That's, that's the thing. I like, I'm interested to, I'm interested to play it. And and I'm torn up about it because I want to see what they're going to say. I want to see what, how is this game going to make good or make bad on the things that they're talking about? That said, I don't know if I necessarily, like if it ends up being like, a really gross representation of this and like really like not handled, not handled well. I don't know if I necessarily want to give them that money. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm sort of stuck because it's like, well, I, I want to hear what they have to say and I want to see how they are going to handle this. But at the same time, like if it ends up being something that I don't want to get behind and don't want to support, I already bought it, you know? So I'm probably going to just stick with like, Re- uh, what I'll probably do is I'll probably wait <laughs> like it'll come out I'm gonna read about it see w- if people think it sticks at landing or not and then I might dip in but and and that's I where know. I have a problem with it because I cannot make an opinion about this game unless I play it myself and that's the thing too it's like I'm, I'm gonna read as much as I can but at the end of the day what this person thinks is appropriate versus what I think is appropriate might be different just because that's how that's how we all are Right. You know? Right. Right. And Ugh. man, at the very end of the day, though, I'm just glad that video games are a thing. Yes. And I'm glad that they give us these opportunities to talk about these real world events mm-hmm. in some way. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> as silly as the transition from the Suez Canal thing in to this more like serious topic thing in. Video games do have the ability to critique society, to commentate on society, and push our society Mm -hmm. forward. So I hope to goodness that when this game comes out, it is not something that regresses the conversation about war. It's something that progresses it and makes it something that we can talk about more. And it does provide more context to the average gamer about what it's like to fight in war. That would be my hopeful side of things. Um, But... Let me say this. I think good or bad, this is going to get people to talk about this. I learned a lot over the past week when we decided that we were going to talk about this. I learned a lot about the second battle of Fallujah that I didn't know before. Made me think about it. And boom, here we are talking about it. And I hope that our conversation, if you're listening to this, you are thinking about it. You are talking about it. Because these are the conversations that I think are really important to have. So when this game comes out, if it's good, I think that's obviously the best scenario where it is 
it works as a piece of media that is able to talk about this thing, that is able to spark a larger conversation between people who might not understand, might not know what this is, might not get it, right? And then if it's bad, a similar thing might happen where people are going to say, hey, this did not do a good job portraying it, portraying this or talking about this. Here's why. Here's what we can do to be better. Here's, you know, forget that game. Let's talk about it in this light or however you want to go about that. Does that make sense? Like, I think either way, either way, people are talking about it. People are learning about it. And I think that these are the conversations we're supposed to be having. And they're really, really important to be having. That was a lot of serious talk, Justin. Uh, I do. Do you want? Do you want to transition out of it in a happier way? Please go ahead. I bought something this weekend, and it was mostly because of our podcast last last week. Okay, I'm trying to remember. Ah, there he is. I got another amiibo. Look it's at a banjo kazooie amiibo. Um, I do have to say, it's with the creepy when they when they updated the graphics of banjo kazooie. They gave banjo like the the bear. By the way, banjo okay, the bear. I was going to ask. They gave him like creepy googly eyes. Like, let me get it real close yeah, to the camera here. Oh like, my gosh. And this is not just oh a, a bad amiibo version. Like, it looks uncomfy uh, when you're, like, looking at him in a video game. Uh, but I was like, hey, this they have these available. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Banjo-Kazooie. How could I not support it? So I, I went and purchased it. So now he can sit next to my um, Link. He can sit say, next to my... Do you have other my, amiibos? I have three. Okay. I have Link because... For, like, which one? Which Link? Because there's the one a on the P, the P stand. It's like the first Super Smash Brothers one that came out. Okay. And they, it. It, they call it a peace stand because in order to get in his pose, there's like a yellow, like a yellow plastic oh, tube yes, that yes, looks yes. like urine. Um, I got well done, a um, Roy one. And I got the Roy one just because when I was playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, there was supposed to be like special functionality if you bought like Fire Emblem ones. I didn't make it work correctly. So there's that. And now my third one is the Banjo. There you go. Look at that. So, I have, um, I have a few. With him. I like I like amiibos. They're fun. Yeah, I, I really been... want to collect more, but also I have a feeling if I collect more, I'm going to be much more broke, and I will never mm-hmm. be able to win this fight. Fight. It will be constantly something that I yes. have to. At what point does it end? Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. So I have um, I've got a handful of Animal Crossing ones because they made a bunch of them, and they still uh, are selling them for like at a discount because yeah. no one wanted them. It was like, I got them all for like 99 cents. Yeah. I have like six of them. It's awesome. Uh, and then I have Bulbasaur, uh, not Bulbasaur, Venusaur and Squirtle from Smash. Uh, I was trying to find that Joker one because that released from Persona. Uh, that released in the fall and I was looking to buy it and it just didn't happen. And now I was like, whatever happened with that? And I looked it up and they're like $45 now. Like, Ugh. Hey, that's Ooh. not that's not a bad price for a collector's item. No, but maybe they'll, maybe they'll make more. And there's nothing like I want that shelf with all the amiibo on it. Like, how cool would that be? Like, I it's just whenever I see someone have that, I'm like, I'm not a collector of like knickknacks, but like mm-hmm. that's a shelf I want in my house somewhere. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, and my favorite one is the yarn version of Yoshi. It's so Yoshi. cute. It's yeah, so yeah. cute. I want I want three of them. So if you want to send me there? one of those, please yeah. send it to me. Um, my address is redacted. Uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> you know, just like, just find out where Boughton Road is, and I'm around. I'm just near I'm Boughton Road. Near it. Near, far, wherever you Daytime are. As God's. Yeah, that's a good song. The soundtrack to Near. Oh, I see what you did. Near. I <laughs> went a totally different direction. Full um, circle. 
That's a great game. That's a great soundtrack. I'm going to play more tonight. Um, Why? Thanks for listening. Uh, This this was a heavy episode. And I'm curious what you what you think of it. Um, you can, and I said this before, but I'll, I'll say it again. You can talk to us to continue this conversation here um, at HitboxPod on Twitter, or you can send us an email at HitboxOfficialPodcast at gmail.com. I genuinely want to hear what other people think about this. As, as we sort of said before, I think what's cool about this, I mean, I'm going to change the way I'm saying that. What's interesting about this game is <laughs> that it is making people talk about it. And it is bringing awareness to this thing that happened that, I don't know about you, I never learned about in school. I never heard about. I was young when it happened. I don't know if it was a conversation when it was going on. But um, I mean, we're lucky enough in history class to get to like World War II before the dude, semester ends. You know? I know. It's, it's <laughs> bad. It's bad. Um, but uh, go ahead. Let us know what you think about the game. Let us know what you think about any sort of that, any of that sort of stuff similar like about the medium of video games and what is appropriate to talk about in games and maybe what's not and anything in the topic. I'm interested to hear. I know Justin is too. Um, you can also follow us on Spotify, Apple podcasts. You can leave a review on Apple podcasts or you could share the show with a friend. That would also be great. Justin, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I, uh, some required reading. Um, look at the unfiltered uh, for uh, IGN um, mm-hmm. uh, with Ryan McCaffrey. I think that's great. Um, uh, Rebecca Valentine also has a couple of really good articles to kind of read that, that talk more about the controversy. Um, and then finally, if you want a lighter thing, some required viewing, uh, go to YouTube, youtube.com. It's pretty, you might've heard of this website. Type yeah, in the there. song party at bottles. Uh, it's a song from Banjo Tui. And then, <laughs> uh, you have a, a certified headbanger to go off of. So really party at bottles, everyone. Uh, you can also go ahead and in the link of the in, in, in the description, there will be a link for um, Sue's Canal Bulldozer uh, Simulator. Until next time, we will catch you later next week. Uh, my name is Peter Hunspitek. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, old games are old. Later. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.